2 Peter chapter number 3. I want you to be sure and be here tonight. Good friend of mine, Brent Parker, is youth pastor, I believe, out at the Leicester Baptist Church. Anyway, he's going to be here preaching for us tonight. I don't want you to miss it. So you be sure and be here in the service at 5 o'clock. We look forward to a great time of the Lord. The Lord laid this message on my heart this week. And uh, I, I don't preach a lot out of Peter's epistles. It's not that I have anything against them. I just have noticed over the years that uh, I've not preached a whole lot of messages out of them. And uh, so this week when I was studying, looking at it, I thought, boy, I need to preach more from these books. They're some fantastic books. I, I, I'm glad for Peter. It may add, but when we think about Peter, we think about, you know, the disciple that a lot of times said the wrong thing and uh, got his mouth in gear before he got his brain in gear sometimes. And I guess that's why people like me and Colton can relate with him. Get our mouth in gear before we get our brain in gear sometimes. But I would remind you that same Peter walked on water. I would remind you that same Peter preached the very first message of the church on the day of Pentecost, was the unquestioned leader of the early church, uh, and uh, of course, you know, went there to Cornelius' house and welcomed in the Gentiles, which was a big step for him. And he writes this epistle. It's a general epistle, uh, which is meant is written to the world, uh, maybe as a specific church. And I want to read the entirety of the third chapter here. It's only 18 verses. The Bible said, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles, and of the Lord our and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willingly, this they willingly are ignorant of, and by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that with one day is, a, a, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. I say thank God for that. Some men count slackness, but it's long-suffering to usward. Not willing to any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief of the night, with which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? in all holy conversation and godliness. Looking forward, hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord, uh, the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. 
Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they are they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name that you'd help us to share the word of God today. Lord, we're thankful for our Bibles. Thank that, Lord, that you've given to us, Lord, to understand. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. God, I just pray that you touch, Lord, in a mighty way today. Do that as only you can. We'll thank you and praise you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'll just look this morning here in this uh, third chapter of uh, 2 Peter. As he's writing this, uh, the, matter of fact, the entirety of the book is written uh, to these saints that are going to struggle during the last days. Now, Peter didn't know when the last days were going to be. I think he had an inkling that it might not be as soon as he thought because of the verse that he uses here on that one day is with the Lord is a thousand days and a thousand days is one. And so Peter is saying here, while I believe it's soon, it could be a while yet. But there are some instructions that he wanted to leave for Christians that were living in the last days. Now, I believe this morning that you and I are living in the last of the last days. Amen. Amen. Now, Peter is on his way, of course, to being crucified upside down. Now, you understand that about Peter, right? He was crucified. That's at least history says he was crucified at the order of Nero upside down in just a few days after he wrote this epistle. And so these are his final words. He is uh, saying just a few things about the comfort of the second coming of Christ. As a matter of fact, you'll find chapter 1, verse 19. Peter says, we have a more sure word of prophecy, wherein, do, wherein you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. And I'm glad this morning that in dark days, we have a sure light that lights, a sure hope that lights every heart of every believer, and that is the hope of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even in the darkest days, I'm glad that that light lights my heart, that hope Amen. lights my heart. Amen. Amen. I know he's coming. How do you believe that? Amen. I know he's coming. I know he is. Now, we live in dark days. Peter talks about these. He said in these dark last days, in verses 3 through 4, he tells us that scoffers are going to come. Here, Peter tells the church that the last days will be mocked by, will be marked by scoffers. 
People who say, where is the appearing of his coming? That's going to be what's on the lips of mankind in the last days. Can I say to you this morning that the secular world has completely dismissed the coming of the Lord? They think that those of us that believe that Jesus is coming, is some, we're some kind of religious nut jobs. And they've just dismissed it out of hand. They've said, well, it's been all this time. He's not coming. Now, there's a couple of things that I'll note for you here. Notice, first of all, their motivation. The Bible said there in verse number three, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after what? Their own lusts. And so what Peter said is, he said, they're not going to want to talk about the second coming of the Lord because they're going to want to live their lives however they want to live their lives. And I'm telling you, and I, I think that you'll nod your head up and down right here. In times in my life when I've been living away from God, the thought of the Lord coming brought fear into my life, condemnation into my life, trouble into my life. You talk about you take somebody that's not right with God, preach a good hot message on the second coming of the Lord, and it makes them very uncomfortable. Why? Because they want to live according to their own lusts. And when you talk about God coming again, all of a sudden they understand and realize that they're going to be accountable for the way they live. And so their motivation is they want to live however they want to live. And so their message is this, he's not coming. He's not coming. You can forget about it. He is not coming. So there is the scoffers. Let me say this about scoffers. Scoffers go to scoff. Amen. That's what they're going to do. Don't allow that to bother you. Don't allow that to, don't allow that to upset you. There are those that are going to scoff. So there's the scoffers. But then look at the surety. Look at the Bible said verse number four. And saying, where's the promise is coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. Uh, from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant. Now watch what he does. Watch what he does. That the word of God, at the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. You know what Peter does? He takes them all the way back to Genesis. I say, thank God for Genesis. A lot of us went to the ark there last weekend. Man, it was a great trip. We sure did enjoy the ark, but we forgot about the ark. And it's been relegated to some sort of a fairy tale, like it really didn't happen. I'm telling you, the world has tried to say there's nothing to it, nothing to the flood. But did you know every single day of your life, you are affected by what happened in that great flood? That flood was a picture of God's judgment on mankind. And so Peter said here, he said people are willingly ignorant of that past judgment. Because if they can convince themselves uh, that God never judged the world to begin with, then they can convince themselves uh, that God's never going to judge the world in the future. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, when you think about, when you go back to Genesis, uh, and you think about the flood, uh, and you think about the judgment of God, uh, it becomes very evident that if God judged the antediluvian world, uh, my friend, with a flood, uh, that God shall someday judge this world. Uh, and Peter said for that, they are willingly ignorant. We was walking around in the ark and I mentioned it to Jason and Summer. I said, you know, this whole thing is a testimony 
uh, to the lengths that God will go to to judge sin. But it's also a testimony to the lengths that God will go to to redeem a man. That ark that sits there in the Kentucky, now get this, it's the largest freestanding wooden structure in the world. It's the largest freestanding wooden structure in the entire world. And it's the same size that Noah built it. And God was willing to build a building that size, a, a boat, my friend, an ark, in order to redeem eight people, amen, from the judgment that was coming. But that's not even a drop in the bucket as to what he did when he sent his son. And his son gave his life on Calvary to redeem a world from a future judgment to come. Peter is reminding them. He's saying, look, there's a sure thing. God judged the previous world. He'll judge this one too. Now get this. Peter said, I'm just gonna, he's not gonna share with them any new doctrine. He's not gonna break through with any new idea. He said, I just wanna stir up your minds by remembrance. And then he went on to talk about what the prophets of old had said. Can I say to you this morning, we don't need a new message. All we need is what is written. Amen. Amen. And if you've got a pure mind, it ought to stir it up when you start looking and seeing what the Bible said. So there's the scoffers. I'm trying to get where I'm supposed to be preaching. There's the scoffers. And then there is the surety, the surety. Then there is the soberness. Look what the Bible says there in verse number 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What's he talking about? Well, here's what Peter, this is what Peter's saying. Now, and I ain't got time to deal with all of the end time prophecy concerned here, but there's coming a day on the other side of the uh, millennial reign that this earth is going to be renovated by fire. Everything that we know to be right now is going to burn up one of these days. It's, it's headed for a ball of fire. God's going to renovate that earth. He's going to redo everything. Peter's talking about that. He said it's all going to be dissolved one day. He said there's coming a final judgment of the great God of heaven. I'm glad that I'm on his side. (laughs) That might be worth repeating. There's coming a day where there's going to be the the judgment of the great God of heaven. He's going to burn this whole world up. And he just happens to be my father. (laughs) <laughs> I believe I'll be all right. Peter said, since how these things, since how this is true, these things are, and then he asked a question, what manner of persons ought you to be? When you consider that the God of heaven, one of these days is going to dissolve this whole planet. What does that mean? What kind of person ought you to be? So I was going to preach on this morning just a little while, as the Lord help us. Let's draw a few things out of these verses on what manner of persons ought we to be. We're heading into a new year. Brand new. 2024. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? Election year. Don't tell what happened. Every time election year comes around, don't tell what happened. I mean, you know, used to, it's kind of mundane. Come election year, is going to squabble between the Republicans and the Democrats, but there's going to be an election we're going to move on. But the way things are anymore, who knows what's going to happen? But I know one thing. 
Regardless of what happens, I know who's on the throne. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So as we head into the new year, what kind of people ought we to be? What kind of person you going to be in 2024? See, that's what I'm asking you. Let me, let me show you a few things. And I'm just going to draw them right out of the pages of the Bible here, right out of these verses. Let's think about what kind of person ought we to be in this upcoming year. Number one, can I say in a new year, we ought to be a heavenly looking people. Look what the Bible said there in verse number 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. <laughs> My friend, the kind of person we ought to be are not the kind of people that look toward Raleigh or look toward Washington, but look toward heaven. <laughs> we ought to be a heavenly looking people. A heavenly looking people. I'm telling you, this world ain't much to look at anyhow. The more I look at it, the less I like it, and the more unsure I am that I can even believe my eyes. I'm telling you, in our day, if time lasts, I made this statement to Colton last year. I said, I said this uh, whole uh, AI business, artificial intelligence, is going to revolutionize the world. He said, you talking about that stuff that answers the phone when you call out down there at the down there at the uh, 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 Verizon, I said, no, it's going to go beyond that. They're they going to make videos of people. People are going to come out and say things, and you ain't going to be sure if you can believe your eyes anymore. That's scary. People are going to come out and say things on TV, and you're going to wonder, but, but is that really that person talking? Some of you are looking at me like, huh, what are you talking about, preacher? I'm telling you. It's not just coming. We're on the prefaces of it. You know, the Bible might refer to it as a beast. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder about the Antichrist, how, how artificial intelligence is going to play in with that guy. But anyway, all of these things are going to come to pass. And the intent is to get you to look at it. Did you know you've been programmed to look at it? We've all been programmed. You can say, oh, not me. Listen, hey, I think maybe Keith carries a flip phone. Do you carry a flip phone? Keith may be the only one in here unprogrammed. So, you know, if you want to know what y'all to think about it, go ask Keith. He ain't, he ain't got programmed like a resident. But we've been programmed to receive and to look at everything except what we ought to be looking at. God help us in 2024 to take our eyes off the things of this world and put our eyes back on heaven. Now there's gonna be a temptation, church. There's gonna be a temptation. I'm telling you, we roll into an election year and you've got one side standing up saying, well, I'll tell you right now, if you'll vote for us, buddy, it's just... It's unicorns and popsicles from here on in. Uh, there's going to be no problems. And we've got all the plans. We can take care of everything. And the other side standing up and saying that bunch, that, that, that bunch is, they don't know what they're talking about. They're a bunch of communists. And they say, well, communists, that bunch is a bunch of insurrectionists. And, and it just goes back and forth, back and forth. Don't get your mind all on that stuff. 
There's a God in heaven. Everything else is a distraction. They want the church distracted from their job in the last days. And our job is not political. Oh, I think y'all to go vote. I'm getting less convinced of it all the time, but I still think y'all to go vote. I, I'm not sure it matters, but I think y'all. I still think y'all to go vote. I, at least you, you, you know, took a swing at it. I, I, but in the end, I'm not sure it matters all that much. I, what I'm trying to say to you is this: I, the things that really matter for the church is not trying to clean up the world, but trying to save the world. I, our job is to spread the gospel. I, our job is to get in tune with heaven. I, God help us in 2024 I, to be a heavenly looking people. Oh, heavenly, heavenly looking people. Number two, I'm going to give you four of them, number two. Not only should we be a heavenly looking people, but we ought to be a holy living people. Oh, the Bible said there in verse number 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, that's heavenly looking, be diligent that ye may be found of peace in him without spot, without spot, and blameless. So not only should we be looking toward heaven, we ought to be living in a holy way. Man, it's tough. So much to draw our attention. So many avenues. And if they can't trick us into sin, if they can't snag us into lust, they bait us into anger. Trick us into hate. Half the church is caught in the web of Satan's snares and the other half's mad and angry over Satan's snares and neither are able to get anything done. The emphasis of the scriptures has always just been loving your brother and living right. Living right. God help us in these days. Now, he points out a few things. Number one, he says to be found of him in peace. That is resting in security. The only way that you can have peace in your life is divorce yourself from sin. Sin brings nothing but turmoil. Now, I'm going to make a statement right here because I know it to be true in my life. You don't have to raise your hand. You just nod your head up and down if you agree. I get into sin just like you do. When I get into sin, I feel terrible about it. It brings, uh, it brings uh, turmoil inside my soul. I'm not satisfied with myself. I think, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I get involved in that? I shouldn't have done that. Oh, it brings a turmoil. It, I never have gotten involved in sin. Brother Kylan on the other side of it said, boy, I'm glad I done that. I, oh boy, that's, that was great. That was a good, oh, while it was happening, I may have said, boy, this is a great time. This is fun. I'm glad I'm doing it. But on the other side, it's always more trouble than it's worth. Amen. Am I telling you right? Amen. Anybody else living the life I'm living? Amen. Where on the other side, it's not worth it. But I'm glad this morning that when you're living right with God, there's a peace that passeth all understanding. I don't know what'll happen this year. What else can they do? They done released a virus on us. (laughs) Oh, I shouldn't have said that online. 
What else can they do? I mean, what are they going to do to top that? Maybe it's aliens. I don't know. UFOs are going to come in, sweep in. I, I ain't no telling. But I know this. If I live where I need to be with God, it's like Paul said. He said, none of these things move me. He said, I'm not bothered by it. Ain't none of that, hey, ain't none of that disturbs me. I'm going to be all right because if I'm living where I need to be with God, I can rest in his security. Then I can retain my sanctification. That is blameless. I can relate to others the story, or that is spotless. I can relate to others the story. That is blameless. I'm glad today that not only should we be a heavenly looking people, but we ought to be a holy living people. Number three, we ought to be a happy with long-suffering people. Look what the Bible said in verse 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of times in this world, I, I, I love life. I love life. I love being here. I'm happy with life. As a matter of fact, this last uh, weekend, I preached there and I, Watch that service, and about every preacher got up talking about how terrible 2023 was. I got up and I said, I, I really can't say 2023 is terrible for me. It's a great year. I had a grandson, <laughs> you know? And it's kind of like Manasseh coming along for Joseph. He said, He had made me to forget all my troubles, <laughs> you know? And I'm looking for an even better year in 2024. You know me, I'm not a, I'm not a gloomer, I'm not a down and outer. I just love being alive. But. But there comes times in everybody's life where you're like, I wish the Lord would just come get us. Amen. Everybody at some point gets to that point in their life where they're like, I just wish Jesus would come. Amen. How many of you will agree with me? The older you get, the more it's like, boy, I just wish the, I just wish the Lord would come. Some of you younger folks are like, no, I got a lot of things to do. Just you wait, you'll get old one day too and be like, I just wish the Lord would come. But look what Peter said. He said, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. What does, that even mean? what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that we've got people right now that if the Lord came today, they'd go to hell. Amen. So the Lord is long-suffering, which is salvation to them. Am I right? I mean, you think about it. There were people in the 80s. What, what year was you born, Billy? 85. There's people in the 90s that were saying, come, Lord, come. But if he'd come, Billy went to hell. God long-suffering. Same for you. So there's people that need to be saved. So as we go through all through life, here's what Peter's saying. He's saying, I know y'all going to want the Lord to come, but here's what you got to realize, that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. In other words, it allows people the opportunity to get saved, more people to get saved, more people to get saved, the call, the call of the gospel to go out, preaching to go forward. So you need to learn how to love and be happy with long-suffering. In other words, don't get all anxious. God's got you here for a reason. Don't get all tore up. If you die, you're just going to heaven, same as the rapture. Amen. Don't get all tore up. Everything's all right. Just love the Lord. Serve God. Do Just live for God. Do the best you can and enjoy the ride. Amen. 
We were coming into Denver on an airplane. Uh, I guess that's two years ago. And when you cross the Rockies, some of the most turbulent air in the world. And the pilot came on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain. We have some reports of other aircraft ahead of us that say they're experiencing some pretty good turbulence up ahead. So, fasten those seat belts good and tight across your lap and enjoy the ride. <laughs> so that's what he said. And we all said, oh boy. <laughs> but you know what he didn't do? He didn't turn that thing on with this is you can oh no oh, we're all gonna die lord have mercy this is terrible this is the worst day of anybody's life just pray you make it I don't know what we're gonna do no he's the captain he flew through rough air before he just come on and said ladies and gentlemen this is your captain you know what we did In the, all the way into Denver. I mean, five, six hundred feet at a time. Woo! And then he'd climb back out, up out of it. Woo! Back down we'd go. He'd been there before. He said, just buckle up and enjoy the ride. That's what the Lord says to us for 2024. You're here for a reason. I've not come yet. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. The Lord's flipped the intercom on this morning and said, ladies and gentlemen, this is the captain. There might be a little turbulence up ahead. <laughs> 2024 may bring a little turbulence, but don't be unnerved. <laughs> Just buckle your seatbelt up and enjoy the ride. There's times I watch things happen in this world and I think, that makes me mad. And then I think, no, wait a minute. I see a spiritual side to this. I got insight nobody else has got on this thing. I see what's happening. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just enjoying the ride, watching how God's moving all them pieces, putting all that stuff in place. It's beautiful, really. Beautiful. So he said, just be happy with a long-suffering God. Can I give you one last one? I'm going to be done right here. In these last days... Not only should we be a heavenly looking people, a holy living people, and a happy with long suffering people, but we ought to be a hungry to learn people. The Bible said there in verse number 18, I'll give you this, I'll be done. But grow, grow in grace and in what? The knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Knowledge. I. Heard the grapevine this week. Uh, fellow had made a, a comment to somebody about me. Here was his comment. He said, well, now, one thing's for sure, he does study. The inference was that I'm not very spiritual. That was the inference. <laughs> what, what he was saying really was, Bradley needs to do a little less studying and a little more screaming. That's what he was a little more oomph. I got a lot of oomph. I thought about striking off a letter to that fella. He probably couldn't read it. 
Anyway. <laughs> Knowledge. Knowledge. In these last days, we have the propensity to put it on cruise control, just to kind of mutter through as best we can. But what we ought to be wanting to do is getting our face in that book and learning all we can. Preparing all we can. Now, I don't even know why I stumbled on it. You ever... Again, Keith ain't gonna know what I'm talking about, but get on your phone and get sucked into a hole. Down a rabbit hole, they call it. Well, I got sucked in this week on a, on a, a church service. It was a church service, but the church service, they had some folks from Pensacola Christian College that were there, and they were talking about their nursing program. Now, I don't ever plan on being a nurse. And so I should have looked at that and went, I don't care anything about this. I'm never going to be a nurse and just turned it off. But the guy was interesting and he was engaging and he was making jokes. And so I thought, well, shoot, I can watch this. It's funny. And I learned some things about Pensacola College's nursing program that I never knew. As a matter of fact, one thing that I learned is that they require twice as many hours to graduate than any other nursing program in the country. And so they spend twice as much time, their nursing students do, in the hospital than any other nursing program in the world. And so it makes their nursing program the gold standard of the entire world. So when a, a hospital hears that a nurse has been to Pensacola Christian College, they're like, yes, give us that nurse. She has more training than the average nurse. She is ready to go into the hospital setting. I got to think about it. <laughs> you know, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. And I'd like to go into eternity as prepared as I possibly can be. Wouldn't it be a shame for you to be walking around in eternity one day and run into Samuel and somebody says, boy, didn't Samuel have a great, great life? And you're like, uh, I guess what did he do? What, what did he do? <laughs> yeah. Who's that up there talking? Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's James. You know James? No. What's his last name? Yeah, uh, what's, <laughs> what's his last name? James who? <laughs> Wouldn't it be a shame to go to heaven and not know nothing about what's going on? So he's get get your face in that book. And the more preparation you can put in ahead, I now honestly believe this, the more enjoyable heaven will be. You're going to be there for an eternity. It'd be good to be read up on it. (laughs) I'd rather go in knowing some things about it, wouldn't you? Yet, see if you don't agree with me right here, and I'm, I'm getting ready to be done. In these mountains, for some reason, we prize ignorance above all others. We think it's good. People get up and they'll say, well, now, I don't know very much. Well, sit down. <laughs> Frank, Frank Phillips, I heard one time, said there was some singers came to his church and they got up and they said, well, we ain't practiced. We ain't ready to sing. Frank said, well, sit down then. <laughs> <laughs> If you ain't practiced, then don't get up. How would you like to walk in this with the doctor and 
him say, now we're going to perform this surgery on you, but I want you to know right up front, I ain't got a clue about it. I ain't studied much on it. But we'll give it, we'll give it a whirl. Right as they're putting the gas on you, he said, I'm praying for you. We're going to give it a whirl here. We're going to do the best we can. Do you know which side your appendix on? Sir, sir, wake up. Which side does it hurt on? I'm not sure which side. We ought to want to be as knowledgeable as we possibly can be. Let me ask you something. What kind of person are you? Not, not, not what kind of person do you pretend to be? It's called imposter syndrome. Some of you got it. It's you wake up every day pretending to be somebody you're not. You're an imposter. You got this idea of who you'd like to be, but really down deep inside you're not that person, so you just pretend. Preach. What kind of person are you? So what I'm saying is we ought to strip it all away and look in the mirror. And go, all right. A fair assessment, I, I, could, live, I could live better. A fair, a fair assessment, I could look toward heaven at the wor- at more and at the world less. Really, I could. A fair assessment, I could be a little more content with where God's got me and less wound up about wanting to be somewhere else. Fair assessment. kind of person ought we to be? Considering that the Lord is coming, what kind of person ought we to be? Let's stand our feet. Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning, God, for the great liberty that you've given us to preach. I pray that you'd touch hearts across this congregation today and do a work. Lord, help us, God, in this upcoming year to dedicate ourselves on this altar to look toward heaven more and toward this world less. Lord, to live holier lives, cleaner lives, more satisfied lives, lives in which we just absolutely entrench ourselves in the Bible. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. So I've already come gathered around the altar this morning. You say, preacher, I'd like to come. I, this upcoming year, I, I want to do better than I've ever, 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 ever done before. I do. I, I just, I'll start the year off with my eyes toward heaven. I'll start the year off with my heart fixed toward God. My life as holy as I can be. Oh my.